one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast may contain adult themes, strong language, and stupid health advice. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to In Bad Taste, where we cast a critical eye over health documentaries and the claims they make. I'm your host, Hi, welcome back. I'm registered nutritionist Pixie Turner. And I'm cardiothoracic surgeon Dr. Nikki Stamp. Welcome to the eighth circle of hell. Um, now, <laughs> <laughs> each month we're watching health films that try to convince you that they know best and will sell you everything from diets to butt coffee uh, as we try and sort fact from fiction. Essentially, we're watching all of these films so that you don't have to. Yep, this is our community service so that you can do something better with two hours of your life instead of sit through some of these films. For real, we are genuinely doing this so you don't watch them and that is especially... <laughs> this month please 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 do not watch this movie speaking of which this month we've decided to have a break from the many food documentaries out there and look at something a little bit different so this month's movie is the 2016 pseudoscience film vaxxed which means there is amazingly not a diet in sight. Yes, it's a nice change for us, isn't it? Um, But before we get into this film, we need to talk about just a couple of things. Firstly, we know that the topic of vaccinations is incredibly important, but it is also very divisive and very emotive. Look, we're not here to call people names. We're not going to make fun of them because we think that on such a serious topic, it's really not the time to make light of this. I mean, old mate doing the battle ropes for an hour, that's fair game. Laugh at that. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, we will laugh at ourselves. Um, but otherwise, we want to treat this topic with the seriousness it deserves and with some compassion. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. We'll probably insert an obligatory dick joke somewhere, you know, possibly <laughs> in this episode, possibly in episode four, just because it's funny. Um, but, yes, this is serious stuff. <laughs> the other thing to say is that we did choose this film for a reason. And that's because the whole world is waiting on one vaccine right now. You haven't really heard us talk about this too much. And that is because we didn't really want to spend a lot of time talking about COVID-19. But uh, unfortunately, we did happen to launch just as the pandemic was really taking hold. And we wanted to give people something to listen to that might give them a break from the constant flow of information and misinformation on COVID. But this discussion has importance for what is going on in the world right now, which is why we thought it was really important to talk about this. Yes, agreed. Um, But anyway, with that uh, out of the way, we'll we'll get on to it. And as per usual, we like to sort of 
I suppose give you a bit of background, a bit of our disclaimers about where we're coming from in relation to to the topic that we're going to be talking about. And I suppose in, in this realm, you know, I, I'm a doctor, um, I am vaccinated, I am required to be vaccinated for work. Um, and that's to protect me because I inevitably look after people with infectious diseases. Um, but it's also to protect my patients so that if I go into a room, say, with a patient that has chickenpox or measles, that I'm not going to go then walk into the next patient's room and give that to them. The other thing is that in Australia particularly, and I'm only talking about the Australian experience because that's where I work, there is literally no financial incentive for me at all to vaccinate people, to provide medications, nothing like that. And the laws here are incredibly strict. So I I don't receive money from pharmaceutical companies to promote any kind of treatment and specifically vaccinations. The other thing for me is that I work with people who have suppressed immune systems because I'm a transplant surgeon um, and they rely on herd immunity. So this topic is, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty important to me. Mm, Totally, totally get that. Uh, To add my disclaimer to that, I am also fully vaccinated. Uh, My parents did most of the work there, but I did get a few extras for, you know, travel stuff, for example, like the yellow fever vaccine when I was traveling somewhere far, far away. In addition, I do work with people on the autism spectrum. So I will potentially get quite angry about some of the stuff that comes up in this because I do work with people and it's... It's challenging and it's it's a problem the way it's sometimes represented in this film. But we'll get on to that. And, and yes. finally, to round it all off, it's probably worth me saying that uh, anti-vaxxers are actually the reason that I turned away from wellness. Back in my wellness wanker days, I encountered some anti-vaxxers and I went, holy shit balls, I cannot be part of this and ended up in the position and the career where I am now. So in some way, in some kind of weird twisted way, I owe anti-vaxxers my career, which is slightly weird but uh it is what it is i almost i you know i could have become one Mm -hmm. of them but i didn't and instead i'm here i could be talking about you right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) so nikki what the hell is this movie Oh, gosh. Okay. So, look, it's, as I mentioned before, it was released in 2016. So it's a few years old now. Um, And I think the really interesting part about this film is that it was originally meant to be shown at the Tribeca Film Festival. And this was run by Robert De Niro, not The Godfather. That was terrible. I'm sorry. But The Godfather. That was terrible. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> look, anyway, so it was, it was supposed to premiere there, but, you know, there was an intense lobbying around um, around it showing there, um, meaning that De Niro um, reversed his decision. Um, and I think one of the things about that is that it gave it a lot of attention, which it may not um, have otherwise gotten. So probably shouldn't have gotten a Guernsey in the first place at a film festival. Um, but anyway, uh, otherwise, it's it's a little bit like some of the other films that we've watched. Um, it's quite US-centric. Um, so some of the things that we talk about here, such as mm-hmm. the CDC, which is the Centers for Disease Control, is an American health agency. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, um, I suppose, uh, wiggle room there because we'll be talking about mainly our experience in the Australian and UK health systems, which are a bit different to, to the US, um, US system. But... You know, it, it, that, that's just sort of the background. I think one of the things we start talking about the film is that it's really well made. It's really, it's, oh, it is. They've done a really good job. I mean, and not just because unlike The Ghost of Miracle, there's no shaky, dodgy camera work, um, <laughs> which made it a lot easier to watch. It's, <laughs> it's kind of, 
it's kind of insidious in the way it gets its point across. And I think we both said this when we sat down to watch it. It starts off with a segment talking about a measles outbreak at Disneyland, California, um, a few years back. And I think we were both like, why are they talking about this in this film? Right? It was really weird. I was really surprised by this. And I did pause at this point and check if I was actually watching the right documentary. Because, you know, if, if I were making a documentary that aimed to mm-hmm. discredit the anti-vaccine movement, this is exactly the same footage that I would start with. I would very much start with all this footage about the measles outbreak. And it's clear links that were stated in the film and stated in mainstream media to the anti-vaccine movement. Mm -hmm. I would start with this. So I was really confused for a few seconds. And then you pointed out to me that very much this is a clever tactic. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something we probably don't talk about maybe as much as we should here. Um, We always take issue with the facts that or the facts as they are presented in these films and the science as it's presented in these films or lack of science um and we really attack that angle but i think yeah with air quotes um but i think one of the things that we probably don't do and maybe we should be a bit more mindful of is that we don't talk about the filmmaking techniques that these people use and it's not because we're filmmakers and we're experts in that but we are looking at these films really critically and what this i think that the the setup of this film and why i say it's very very well made is that it kind of gently lowers you in so it starts off with you know this like I say this package on on the measles outbreak and you go yeah that's terrible and it gets you to kind of constantly sort of agree with what they're saying and then all of a sudden you find yourself agreeing with you know the more outrageous claims that it makes and that is a a filmmaking technique they've done that specifically it's it's the same as using music it's the same as using camera angles it's the same as using you know likable people these are all techniques that are designed to get you to agree with whatever they're saying absolutely like this is why it's so clever because we start with the measles outbreak and suddenly 90 minutes later there's a guy talking about how he believes the cdc has hit men out for certain people and how they're a completely fraudulent organization and Mm. You know, if you were to take those two segments, you'd be like, how the fuck did we go from A to B? And yet it's so seamlessly cleverly woven in and it's really <laughs> sneaky. And that, to be quite frank, pisses yeah. me off a great deal. Yeah, and I think it's why, and it, look, everyone is is at risk of having this happen to them. Um, you know, uh, you, I'll be perfectly frank, there are times when I've watched some of the films that we've watched where I've gone, oh, I didn't know that. Is that the case? Um, and then you go and look it up and you're like, oh, actually, that's not the case. And yep, I think, same. yeah, right. Um, and I think that it's really important, therefore, that when we're watching any documentary um, or a current affairs programs or something like that, or, or consuming information online that we go into it with a sense maybe of curiosity um with a little bit of a little bit of skepticism a healthy dose of skepticism you know who is this person what are they trying to tell me what techniques are they using to tell me tell me this story and i think that that's a a very important skill that we probably could all do with developing Mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly if you're going to watch things like this. Agreed. So Nikki, would you be able to just give us a little bit of an overview about how vaccines actually work? Yeah. So we're going to try and pepper a lot of this conversation with some some facts. Um, so a vaccine is kind of there to train your immune system into making um, usually antibodies and training your immune cells to recognise a pathogen, which would be something like a virus or bacteria. So if, if you face that in the future, your body gets rid of it quickly and it doesn't make you sick. Um, so you, you it's basically trying to to 
to train it to to educate it so that it's kind of fired up for for future attacks um and there are lots of different types of vaccines there's lots of vaccines not only for different illnesses but also really different in the way that they work so there's things like inactivated um viruses so things like polio hepatitis a they use the vaccine that's that sorry the pathogen the virus that's inactivated there's things attenuated which means that their disease causing ability has been sort of stripped away um so measles is a good example of that we have things like toxoids because some bacteria like diphtheria or tetanus produce toxins and and um they're not things you need to detoxify from because you know how we feel about detoxifying um but they mm-hmm. they, they target this this these sort of they target parts of the the pathogen and recently with covid we've seen some really fantastic and really exciting new um new ways of, of developing vaccines but i think the most important thing to take away from that is that you know vaccines have probably been one of the the biggest developments in healthcare and in public health in this century i say this century in the last hundred years not not since the year 2000 but we've been able to eradicate a lot of a lot of diseases you know and you know for a lot of us we haven't we've never seen these we've never seen polio oh god polio in particular is such a good example because it is absolutely terrifyingly frightening Mm -hmm. and seeing pictures of people in iron lungs Mm -hmm. and there are still i believe there are still people alive today who are still in iron lungs and have been Mm -hmm. for a very long time when you see these pictures when you see the videos of these people it is absolutely horrifying truly horrifying and it's amazing how because we don't we're not confronted with that on a day-to-day basis because we don't see that because it's not around us so many of us seem to have completely forgotten how serious Mm -hmm. and how deadly these kinds of diseases are especially things like polio but also things like measles which very much can kill Mm -hmm. you if you if you catch it it can very much kill you it is serious. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a good time to talk about, you know, about, say, measles, for example, because it's, you know, measles is often in the news. You know, measles is is incredibly contagious. So, you know, and I think probably people have heard about these kinds of discussions around COVID. Um, measles is at least five to six times as contagious as, as COVID, right? So measles can linger in the air for two hours after you leave a room. So if you walk into a, I don't know, an office with measles and you cough and splutter around a bit um, and you, someone else happens to walk into that office an hour, an hour and a half or two hours later, they can catch measles virus from there. So the COVID, you know, for every one person who has an infection with COVID, they will perhaps infect two or three more people. For measles, that number is more like 15 to 17 people. So it's like an incredibly infectious illness. Um, and the really good thing about measles, though, is it can be eliminated because it's, it only infects humans. So if we're all vaccinated or immune to it somehow, then we can eliminate it. And that's where we're, we were heading before people got really scared to get the vaccine. And, you know, this is not like a flu it's not like a little bit of a rash before vaccines came around for measles it was responsible for millions of deaths and you know when we have outbreaks kids die because particularly in the under five age group they're really vulnerable to measles and for the long-term complications of measles they're really serious you know you can people die from pneumonia related to measles Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you don't die from measles, there is still the possibility of other side effects and complications like ear infections, diarrhea, pneumonia, loss of hearing, brain damage. These are serious things. It's you'll often see arguments on the internet made by people who are not fans of vaccines necessarily, stating that uh, it is a harmless childhood disease. That is completely inaccurate representation of what measles is. But speaking of side effects, 
They do go into some interesting discussions about the side effects of vaccines. That is a big part of this entire documentary is about the side of the potential side effects and the adverse reactions that people can face. And I think it is important for us to point out that, yes, as with all things, there can be side effects sometimes. Absolutely. Look, you know, life has side effects. You know, you walk down the street, you can get a side effect, you know, get burnt by the sun or hit by the car. Um, but you, <laughs> that's depressing. Casual side effect. <laughs> that's a very depressing, like, discussion of me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, you know, um, you know, no one ever says that people aren't going to experience side effects from treatments that we give people medicine, you know, but no one, no one in their right mind would ever say that because there are no certainties in life. But we do know that by and large, these things are safe. They definitely are safe. And, you know, the, the, when, when someone gets a vaccination or a medication or has an operation, things like that, you know, it is part of the discussion to talk to people about the expected benefits, the expected risks, and everyone has that weighed up for them, you know, whether the the benefits outweigh the risk. And if that's the case, then they go down the pathway of having that treatment, in this case, a vaccination. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, one of the parents in this documentary states, and I quote, nobody ever told me that there would be any side effects for any of the vaccines my children had. Huh? What? Everything has side effects. Either, look, either she's lying or she was just wasn't listening. In which case, either way, that is not the doctor's fault. That is her problem for not having actually paid attention, mm. which I would argue everyone needs to do when they're going to visit their doctors. But like, how can you not know that these things have side effects. I mean, maybe some people don't, sure, but I find it really difficult to understand how people don't realize that everything in the world has side effects, especially things that are given to you by the medical system because they are literally designed to work beyond basic biological parameters that things like food operate in. 
Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's I think that's fair. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, you could, you know, has to guess that someone did a bad job of, of communicating those risks to them, um, you know, but and again, I'm just speaking from from the experience, you know, the, the I suppose, legalities and regulations around vaccinations here in Australia. Um, I think the UK is the same that before you go and get that, you have to sign a consent form. And on that consent form will be a list of of things, you know, that there's a one in whatever risk of, of this happening. There's a, you know, two in whatever risk of something else happening. And you have to sign that. Like it's like the little leaflets that you get with every medication that you yeah. get prescribed. You get those little leaflets that tell you all those details. And you are supposed to read those. Yeah. And I would encourage people to read them, you know, and there some of the risks that are discussed on there are reported um, and they're incredibly rare, but because we, it's imp- we think it's important that everybody makes that informed choice, um, that they can, you know, assess all that information that even the really really ultra ultra rare things will be included but I I think the most important thing I can say though is that is that these things are safe this sort of thinking that is presented in the film that you know there's all these things that you're not being told if you are not being told that information ask for it it is there and you know all in all these things are are safe they're certainly much safer than than having the the infectious disease in question Oh, absolutely. Um, There's also a really interesting website that exists in the US where you can actually search for any adverse events that people Mm. have reported as a result of any Mm. kind of medication and also in relation to vaccines. And for legal requirements, you can report things for, I believe, up to six months after you've had something and it has to be included on that list. And so there, I had a look at that list and there is some really weird stuff on there. There, I mean, there's things like people getting hit by cars that is actually on there, you know, and it's it's like this clearly has absolutely nothing to do with the vaccine. And yet someone reported it. So it legally has to exist on this massive database. And, you know, seizures is one of those listed side effects that is that is on there and is on on all the, you know, the inserts and on in the consent forms. Autism is not. And there is a reason for that, because, yes, you can sometimes get seizures as a side effect of a vaccine. And let me just quickly explain why this is. So there are some kids who are prone to what is known as uh, febrile seizures, and they only find out that they have febrile seizures when they have the vaccine, because it's the first time they have a fever in their life. So it's not the vaccine that is actually causing it. It's just bringing it to light, because even if they didn't have the vaccine and, you know, a year later they had a fever for another reason, they would then potentially have the seizure at that point. So it is not that the vaccine is causing the seizure. It is actually that it is just bringing to light an issue that was already there that was simply activated by the fever that was associated with it. Yeah, and, you know, a fever is a completely normal response to a vaccination or even just feeling febrile, maybe feeling a bit warm but not actually having a, a proper fever um, because it is, it's your immune system is working. That's a good thing. Um, but, yeah, febrile convulsions or febrile seizures are, are scary. Like they are scary um, to, to, to see a child do that, particularly, you know, if that is your child um and they are pretty common you know they occur in somewhere between two to four percent of kids under five a little bit more common in males and you know they they are tend to be associated with having that as you say that elevated temperature and they are more common in viral infections um they are more common in people as you say who were probably going to have something like this anyway because we all have something called a seizure threshold which means our brain is much more likely to experience a seizure um, more so than other people Um, and that probably comes you know from a bit of genetic susceptibility Um, but it it is report it is reported particularly after two different types of vaccination the first one being um, DTP which is diphtheria tetanus and pertussis which happens at about one in 14,000 so that's that's actually still you know quite a low 
rate of that happening. You know, I know that's cold comfort if you're the parent who has to watch this happen to your children. You know, you'd be like, you know, shit, great, why me? And MMR is the other one, which depending on depending on where you live in the world and what vaccinate, what actual brand you get um, and what the, you know, the, the science is reporting, that that rate is somewhere between one to six per 10,000. So still really, still it's actually quite low. Um, and I think by and large, um, the, the having a febrile convulsion, you know, because one of the things they sort of allude to in the film is that having that febrile seizure is what set off, you know, um, a whole bunch of other neurological diseases, including autism. Um, but for kids who have who have a, a simple febrile convulsion, the, the risk of, of long-term neurological issues is incredibly small. Um, there is a tiny increase in the risk of epilepsy, but that's probably not because the vaccine didn't cause that. It's that that brain already was a little bit prone to having seizures and therefore having, having epilepsy. So again, I, and I, I understand. I've seen kids have febrile seizures and febrile convulsions and it's scary. It's really horrible to watch. I understand that there's some fear around that, but rest assured, you know, it is generally not something to, to be feared. Yeah. Uh, and as you've said, vaccines are really pretty safe and they do have to go through huge amounts of uh, safety tests and safety measures. So one of the people who appears later on in this documentary is an ex-pharma salesperson. And she makes multiple claims that uh, I think the only way to really say this is that they are categorically untrue. And she is either completely misinformed or potentially spreading false information deliberately. We don't know, of course, but it is concerning that she is sharing all of this. Vaccines do go through a lot of safety tests. They are compared to placebo for safety during trials. They they have to be. And they claim that these kind of trials don't exist. They absolutely do. And they actually have a lot of monitoring, continuous monitoring after they're on the market because they are reaching millions of people. So, of course, there has to be continuous monitoring. They're actually monitored more than a lot of pills. Because they're reaching such large numbers of people, there is actually more monitoring of vaccines than there is of pills. They're also nowhere near as profitable. I mean, I think they, they make a claim about how like people make huge amounts, like pharma makes huge amounts of money on no. vaccines. And I'm like, really? <laughs> because most vaccines you get once, maybe like twice in your lifetime. You know, you have one, you get a booster maybe. That's literally it. That is it for your entire life. Mm-hmm. But if you take something like a statin or, you know, Viagra, then you have to take that every single day or every single time you need it. That's going to be a lot more expensive over time. Surely that's going to make a lot more profit, like a lot more profit than a vaccine. So so to suggest that these people are making huge amounts of money off of vaccines is really, I mean, they're making some, sure, but they're making nowhere near as much as they do from Viagra because people's dicks have to get hard. (laughs) And there it is. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) <laughs> oh god i mean look i mean this that that claim they were so adamant about it you know vaccines are not tested as rigorously as other drugs i mean i think um you know just as a bit of overview and, and this is probably relevant at the moment because there's a lot of news around about vaccine development in relation to covid um that you know vaccines go through clinical trials where they're tested on healthy volunteers um they're monitored incredibly closely um and even once uh, whether it be a drug or a vaccine or a device um enters the market so it's being used by patients there's something called post-marketing surveillance 
where um, you know um, you can have people have a reporting system for people who are using that that treatment themselves report as you mentioned about that website um, or you can have someone like me so if I give someone a tablet um, and they get a rash on their right big toe and we think it could be related to whatever medication I've just prescribed them I'm obligated to report that to um to a reporting agency and that gets added to a huge database of of you know adverse reactions and what we'll find then is if there's a pattern if you know suddenly 200 or 300 people will start to develop a rash on their right big toe um and they'll look for the common denominator which might be whatever that pill was that's that's called post-marketing surveillance and that's a really important part of of safety so we don't just unleash these things on the unsuspecting community and say, good luck, you're on your own now. You know, we are constantly monitoring that. And see, I think this is where where the difference comes in. See, I see that constant monitoring and that need to, um, you know, have constant safety checks um, to recall things if there's a problem. And to be honest, the, the rate of drug recalls is really, really low. It's really, really low. It's very, very uncommon. Um, so, you know, that's basically me saying that, despite all of these checks and balances you know most of the time we don't have to do that because these whatever we're giving people is safe um but you know i think that's a good thing i think this this is a great thing it means that we're constantly looking out for ways to improve and get better we're constantly looking out to make sure that we're not doing the wrong thing whereas people who have skepticism or distrust in medicine you know in all its forms would see that as evidence that we're complete cock-ups we've got no idea what we're doing um, and I think that that's problematic. And I think that means that we've we've done a bad job of communicating to people the intricacies of science and healthcare um, and using that education um, and the transparency, I suppose, that comes with that at reassuring them that, we, you know, we're, we're always trying to do the right thing. Mic drop. Uh, I don't know what else to add. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just wanted to give a, a bit of an overview on 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 safety and and whatnot here. I guess the important thing to say is that you know we know that vaccine hesitancy is growing. A lot of people have safety concerns, and I don't think that's unreasonable. I think if you are walking into something with the blind thought that everything's going to be fine, I think that's you know equally problematic. <laughs> like we want people to be informed and uh, engaged in making decisions around their own health, you know. And I know I, I don't think anyone who is concerned around safety issues is necessarily you know they're not bad people they are genuinely trying to do what they think is best for their child get that you know there's a whole bunch of other things you know people are people you know want to want to make sure that they're they're not going to subject their child to something terrible you know when kids get their vaccines it's sad they're grizzly they're sore all those sorts of things you know i remember they cry do you know what when i was um so i was in year seven so i was about 11 or 12 and i can't remember what vaccine you get at that age or you got at that age when i was 11 or 12 and what happened is that it was given at school and they they'd gotten the permission from our parents beforehand but they didn't tell us until right before they were about to line us up and take us out of the classroom to go get our vaccines and I remember in there was like three classrooms next to each other and we heard the classroom next door all the girls in that classroom scream like just petrified screaming and then we knew that it was vaccine day and we screamed as well and I was like that's I look back on that now and I'm like, that's a shitty way to to do that because 
it encourages fear. It's like it's something that we've got to sneak up on you so that you don't have time to get worried about it. We're not going to treat you like adults and tell you why this is important. You know, it was a really dumb way of doing it. And, you know, those kinds of, I think they're a little bit paternalistic, but also playing into this fear that, you know, shots, like we call them shots, we don't call them vaccines or, you know, needles and playing into, you know, that, that needle phobia and these are yucky, horrible things really doesn't help. So I, I guess I guess I just wanted to say that, I, you know, despite the fact that we're going to we're, we'll be talking about this from a, a very, you know, pro-vaccine stance and, you know, we have good reason behind doing that, you know, I, I just want people to know that we know that they're trying to do the best for their child or themselves um, and we just want you to have all the facts available to you. Yep. You know who's not trying to do the best for children? Andrew Wakefield. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> and I, I bring that up because uh, we, as you might have noticed, we haven't really mentioned him so far, despite the fact that the, he is the director of this entire documentary mm-hmm. and he features very centrally. But that is because we are going to dedicate an entire episode to this guy who we are legally allowed to call a fraud yep. because he is one. And you have no <laughs> idea how much satisfaction that gives me to be able to say the GMC <laughs> accused or him a fraud, and I'm going to read the entire ruling and you're going to love every second of it. Well, I'm going to love every second of it. <gasps> I, yes, we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about the people in this film. So we're going to do that next time. But uh, in the meantime, if you need to get advice on vaccinations, please talk to your own doctor or visit the World Health Organization website, which we will list in the show notes. And as always, please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating because that's how people will find us and tell everybody you know um, within reason. Um, now, if you have questions or comments, you can get in contact with us on email in badtastepodcast at gmail.com. You know, we always want to hear from you. Um, so please do drop us a line. And of course, you can come and see us on our socials pixie is at pixie nutrition and i am at dr nikki stamp and we will leave you references and relevant links in the show notes as always so join us next week to find out why exactly it is that we can legally call andrew wakefield a fraud without getting into trouble we'll see you then it's gonna be great bye I'm going to say the word fraud as many times as I possibly can. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.